Welcome back to another episode of the That Fitness Business Podcast. Tom Blackman with Dan Smith. Hello, Dan. How are you today? Hello. Hello, Tom. And fresh back from Ibiza partying. You went raving in Ibiza. Absolutely not. <laughs> the freshest I've ever come back from Ibiza, hands down. And it's actually quite a nice feeling. So I might do it again more often. Um, but yeah, it's great. It was great, but it was also different. So yeah, going away with a... At least five months, nearly. Different so, volume going on holiday with a child. Yeah. And then we had next door in the room. Oh, we moved hotels. Long story, but we moved hotels. Um, we needed more room, more space, because traveling, you don't realize how much stuff this little person has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then we moved. And then next door to us was obviously, they weren't like trouble, but they were just having a good time. And they had like music going one night. But they young go people. On. Yeah, yeah. But, like, young people, yeah. We've been there and I was like, I quite appreciate it. And it didn't wake him up. But then you know, I'm lying there because I can hear the music. I'm thinking, how different is this? That, that was me. And now I'm here. Contemplating <laughs> <laughs> uh, my choices. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it, it does. It. And you're right. The, the, the first time, when you have a child's first time, you'll pack everything. Yeah. Like, just like, need the car, bring the car. And you take it all with you. And then when you have a second or third child or whatever, it's, nah, so I just let a bag will do. Yeah. That's enough. Yeah. The stuff we bought, we bought this special car seat because everyone was like, you got to take a car seat with you. Didn't even come out of the bag. Just, yeah. just sat there. I don't know how much that was. <laughs> yeah, I know. You get extra room on the pram as well. You get the pram on the plane, don't you? Yeah. And the car seat's free anyway, but it's this thing we bought for specifically because we thought we had to have it and then like just turn up. They go, no, just get in the bag. <laughs> He's holding <laughs> fine on the roads. That yeah, but it was good. Yeah, I'm pleased to come back to work for a rest, so it's all right. Yeah, absolutely cool. Yeah, because yeah, because when you come back, obviously people respect your time on holiday. But it's when you come back, you're fair game, then aren't you? So I right. just call you three times a day. It's no problem. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's not been that bad, but it's just it's the first time I've been away, and my I did actually take my laptop because I was like. I'll take it just in case I've got some time where I need to. It didn't even it didn't even come out of the bag. I it just there was no time. And I had, had visions of us like, oh, he'll go to sleep at a certain time and then we can just chill, maybe have a few drinks and that. Just as soon as he was asleep, we were asleep, but or yeah. we'd lying in bed just with all the lights off. <laughs> what do we do now? Be Don't quiet. make another baby. Don't do that. <laughs> Not doing it. So yeah, it's good, but no, I'm well, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, it, interesting you said about the, taking a laptop on holiday because I do that as well. For all the times I've been going on holiday, I take my laptop with me. And the reason I do that is because I get anxious about not having it with me. So if it's safe, because obviously I've got the gym and other things to run, what I don't want to be doing is if I'm out on holiday and some catastrophe happens and it requires me to log in somewhere, then I've got to find a computer. So I always take my laptop with me and just like you said, it's hardly ever, I use it a little bit because there's sometimes a little bit of things I need to do, but it's, there's some parts of my work, which I'm, I'm sure you'll appreciate this, which are, which don't feel like work to me. Like I, I enjoy editing video videos and that's something I actually, I could do as a hobby. I quite like doing it. It's fun and creative and all that sort of stuff. So I don't mind doing that. So I can edit videos on holiday as like part of my fun time on the beach with my daiquiri. So it's 
it doesn't feel like work, but I wouldn't do stuff like accounts when I'm on holiday. Fuck that. Someone else can do that. But I, there's some stuff I like doing and I leave my laptop for it. So I do take it with me. And we also, is here's a hack. If you take your laptop with you and have a HDMI converter, you can plug into the hotel TV and just play Netflix and Prime on the hotel TV. And you don't have to watch the shit TV from the Spain or Egypt or wherever it is. Yeah. That would be a good hack, actually, because we only had one kid's, it was like Disney Channel, but it was yeah. random, some random cartoon. <laughs> yeah, we, they, it's, it's a little thing that plugs into your Mac and it's like, it comes from the Thunderbolt and then it has an HDMI connector. So we take a HDMI cable with us as well and you just sit it next to the TV and just plug it in. And there's a couple of times I've actually had to hack the TVs at the hotel because we're in hotel mode. So you got to, you got, I have to go online, find the, the password, the login password. And then put it into the TV so I could then switch the options to allow me to plug in a HDMI cable. Yeah. Low key hacking. hacking. Hey, it's Inspector Gadget when I'm going on holiday. <laughs> Jack, Jack Bauer does Egypt. <laughs> That's good. Um, good tips. Yeah, little tips for, for holiday. Okay. Oh, and another tip don't ever take anything with you, like balls or like sandcastle kits or whatever. You can always buy that shit, then just leave it there. <laughs> we, we done that. Okay, today we're talking about the embarrassment of failure, rather depressing thing coming from holidays, coming back in. And the embarrassment of failure covers quite a wide topic. So we might cover a little bit today and then there might be another thing we'll do on it later on. And what me and Dan were talking about before the, the podcast about the embarrassment of failure is there is a, a thing uh, around coaching where coaches get embarrassed because they fail, which is obvious. Also, coaches are... They, they are externally influenced to be to feel like failures and embarrassed because they haven't achieved like certain things. And also there there's other things that are unrelated to coaches, which happen, and then they feel a, like a failure because of it. So we're going to talk about that. So there's a couple of different elements. Dan, where should we start? Where should we start? Do you want to start with the feeling that or the perspective that is pushed onto coaches around yes if you don't if you don't achieve a certain thing or you don't hit a milestone or you don't achieve a certain income we don't you haven't got a team or uh, whatever it yeah. is yeah so it's, kind of it's, embarrassment, yeah it's the sort of the success fallacy isn't it yeah so what, what does it take to be successful as a as online coach well if you haven't got a va and you yeah. haven't got a a team and you haven't scaled within two minutes of opening your coaching business and if you haven't hit 10K months and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all these things, are, it, and it's, there's, not, there's not some guru stood in there saying, if you haven't done this thing, you're a failure. But the way people talk, the way that you get the impression from people is that if you hit that, you're a success. If you can boast about your 10 VA team in the Philippines, then you're a success because you can afford to pay those people who boast about Oh, I spent two thousand pounds on Facebook ads this month. Really? How much revenue did you get? Oh, don't worry about that. I just spent two thousand pounds on Facebook yeah. ads. Yeah, there's quite a big. It's not. Well, it's a problem, isn't it? Because you know how much comparison affects coaches mm. anyway. So they're always constantly comparing themselves to like other coaches, other businesses, levels of success. So. But then they're the ones who are going to their clients and you shouldn't compare your journey to other people's journeys. But then for some reason, it's like the worst thing for coaches. But then that doesn't get helped, I don't think, by 
people pushing that message of if you haven't achieved 10k months in your first 90 days then what are you doing wrong what is wrong with you but yeah. like you said it comes right back to defining what success means for you as an individual and that's never going to be based off uh, the amount of money you earn like that's not going to as much as people think it is that doesn't define your level of happiness because i can't imagine someone going yeah hit, hit that that five figure mark can't wait to get to six figures because then that's when i'm going to be really happy at the moment happiness isn't quite there but when i get to six figures hopefully i've completed happiness then and that'll be me done for everybody you won't it just won't happen so you define what success means not based off what other people position it as mm. wise guy so yeah there's do you remember maslow's hierarchy of needs remember that thing where there's the i think it's like five stages or six stages ages since i did it and the first one is your basic needs, isn't it? Like your shelter, your food, protection from animals trying to hunt you, that sort of thing. That's oh. the first level. And then and it goes up, doesn't it? And, and the top one is self-actualization. And if you think about the way, I, the way I like to explain this is self-actualization, that's the Star Trek thing, isn't it? Star Trek Next Generation, oh, they yeah, don't have money. <laughs> yeah, they got it beamed up. Yeah, beamed at the top. They, they don't have money, do they, in, in Star Trek Next Generation? So remember, have you ever seen the first contact film? And the woman on the thing saying, how much does this ship cost? And John Lucas, we don't have any concept of money in the future because everything is provided for us. So money, it doesn't matter how much something costs because they just get it. It doesn't matter. So all their jobs are based around what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So they've surpassed the, the basic needs thing and they're oh. in the self-actualization and so the, to become better humans. And I think if you, there's a certain level, isn't it? Of what was your basic needs? So provide the rent. Yeah. Yeah. Your bills, food, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And then after that, it's okay. You could do investing. You could invest your money. That's really important as well. You could do all these other things. You could buy a bigger house if that makes you happy. You could buy a watch if that's what you want. Are those things what need, you need to make you make yourself happy? And, and it's no, I don't think it's shameful to say, look, if I drove a Ferrari, I would probably be happy. You'd be happier than if you didn't have a car and you needed yeah. to get somewhere. Or would it be your definition of success though, that you owned a Ferrari? Probably not. Yeah, that's the thing. And, and for some people it is, because some people are like, when I can afford that car, I know that I've made a success of myself. But for other people it isn't. It's like, I don't really drive. I live in London. Not me, just random person. I live in London, so I don't need a car because I get, I'll go over on the tube and it's really expensive to have a car in London. So I don't need one. Yeah. So having a car is not a... So I, go I guess that's what I mean in terms of the, the definition of success is different for everyone. And even those kind of materialistic things, they might make you a little bit happier because it gives you some enjoyment or whatever mm. from it. But there's going to be more factors that play into that, absolutely, hands down, than just, oh, I own a Ferrari or I've got this watch or whatever. Mm. I, I definitely believe that. I think they will add to it. And this also then comes back to who you, who you are as a person. What are your values? What do you see as important to you? Because for me, I'm not interested in cars and I don't really care for them that much in terms of it's you know, shiny and fast or whatever. It doesn't make any difference to me. But then it's things that are more important to me. Like can I invest in people around me and support them? That gives me massive enjoyment, massive pride and things to be able to do that. And then family as well, obviously that goes without saying, making sure everyone's okay. But I think 
everyone like I said has got their own definition of it it's finding that first because then you won't hopefully be as impacted by people going oh you should be here doing this you know right here and then what happens is you don't get anywhere because you're always trying to achieve what someone else's definition of success is yeah that's absolutely right isn't it if if, if someone is telling you oh this is what you need to be doing to make a, a success as an online coach it, you you won't ever be happy will you because that's not something you define yourself and you know it and I, I know you talk to a lot of coaches. I talk to a lot of coaches. When I talk to them, the, the first thing that says, the, the, the first thing they say is not, I need to make a 10K month when it comes up. There is some element of, I, I would like to earn some more money, but it's not a need to make a 10K month. It's not, oh, that's going to define me. But yeah, but that is the, the definition of a lot of people is like, and there's so much advertising about it, isn't it? It's like make 10K in, or make over 10K in three months, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's, I think I said that on the last one of a few podcasts where never in my whole career of doing this have has that ever been in my head. It's never been to a thing where I've been like, oh, this is a, a mark I need to achieve. It's just looking at what's happening. Okay, what's going on here? What's working well? Where do you want to get to next in terms of that whole concept of the business? Not just like, oh, I need to increase client base. Because I think people look at that. So what can we do, be doing better for the existing clients yeah. and improving that? But people always then get swayed by that marketing that comes in. Oh, I feel like if I'm not earning six figures. And and that, again, that, that whole thing drives me mad because you, it doesn't mean anything either. Like the whole six figure thing could be that you, what was it? That it doesn't mean that you're making six figures in profit because no, that's, that's, completely that's the key thing, isn't it? it, it there, there's, so, there's so much of revenue, isn't there? And so the, the metrics that are pushed are client numbers and revenue and also about like scaling isn't it getting a team that sort of thing you, know, you must have three or four coaches yeah, working for but, you. but then they just, they just throw random words into it like multi multi multi-level multi-deep multi-level marketing deep six figures i'm like yeah. what as opposed to just the shallow six figures. i've seen that deep six figures i've seen that idiot what a knob <laughs> so <laughs> yeah um yeah like, I think we've probably covered it. <laughs> yeah. But, but also relating to that is that the, and this happens a lot is that people, when they're growing, when they're building their business are not checking the costs associated with that growth. So I've seen this in ministry like over the years, ministry has been like 13 years and we've grown in our membership. Obviously over that time, refined the membership, got different people coming in and over that time, every it must be every sort of two years, I think I sit down with my accountant and we just look at everything that the, the gym is spending and what's pulling in and everything else. Do we need that? Do we need to be spending that? And recently after lockdown, obviously we had unit one and unit two in lockdown and we got rid of unit two, which made us a smaller gym. So by definition, potentially we're shrinking as a business or whatever, shrinking as a gym. But actually by doing that, by shrinking it down and getting rid of that extra cost of the rent and the upkeep and electric and all that sort of stuff and refining our business by putting more in, we, we invested heavily into the studio to, to make it um, suitable for class but more suitable for classes we actually now are generating more money without those costs so in, in terms of our monthly revenue yeah that's gone up but actually our size as a gym we used to be like 15,000 square foot we're now like 11 we actually are a better gym by, re by refining that process down do you really need to be expanding, growing all the time? You, there's other ways you can make more money 
but not expanding or like trying to grow your business unnecessarily. But yeah. do you need 50 clients? And I, I've worked with a guy who had a like hundred clients mm. and he was like, it, it, it was sort of contest prep, a hundred clients or whatever it was. And just like running himself ragged because he was like, oh, I've got to go to shows and I've got to do this and WhatsApps and blah, 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 blah. And after we worked with him, I think he had like 50 clients afterwards, but because he'd refined his package and done things with his offer and everything else, he didn't, he wasn't working. Like he wasn't running himself ragged, but he was earning more money. Yeah. So clients was not the metric there, but people all talk about how many clients they've got, oh, 150 clients. Okay. Yeah. I remember thinking like when I first started coaching, like hearing people's client numbers thinking, oh, I'd love to have that many clients. And then I think probably at the max had 70, 75 clients and I hated it. Like genuinely hated it <laughs> because it was just, I couldn't do what I wanted to do with the clients and for the coaching that I was providing. So it didn't suit the way of the business. And then like you just mentioned, it's not always about more. How can you refine it to make it better? and improve the level of service you're doing, refine the results that you get with people. And like you've done with your gym, it's like you've taken that step and it's improved it. You know, and rather than just going, oh, we need just bigger, everything bigger. And then going, oh shit, we're costing us a fortune here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Especially with things like you can get really into that well of Facebook ads, can't you? With Facebook ad spend and yeah. generating leads, which don't turn into anything. Yeah. I'd, I've done that when we first got into ads with a high ticket coach. I think that's what he called himself, but we're spending at the time anyway, um, we're still a lot. It's a lot of money anyway. Like we're spending 500 pounds a day. Like it's a lot on ads. At the, that was fucking, that must have been like five, six years ago, maybe more. 15 grand a month. You yeah. were baller. No, but that was like, so why was this set up in terms of the offer? So, so here's the offer, which is going to cost, what it was like three grand or whatever mm. so we're going to spend this much to try and any get and it and all it was just a really poorly put together like ad campaign and i did get calls but what happened was that like you'll know this now and i know this now is that those people don't know you so how are they going to like suddenly just go oh yeah i'll do that that's for me and it's mm -hmm. just a waste it, i must have spent thousands on that because i i invested initially two and a half grand I didn't pay the other two and a half because we weren't, you weren't supposed to pay until you've got X amount of clients and I, mm. we never did. So I, I said, I'm not paying that. So I still lost the two and a half grand and then all the ad spend. <laughs> Lesson learned. Yeah. But yeah, Facebook ads is, uh, is that I will say with ads though, there is a element of you have to be okay with testing. Yeah. You need to know your limits in terms of budgets and things because you can just throw money away, but you still need to. You need to be okay with, I'm okay with testing some stuff to see if we can refine like the results we're getting from the ads. You can't just expect to go, I'm going to run this ad and it's just going to be perfect straight away. So there is a little bit of, you need some ability to test those things. Yeah. At the time, I didn't know. So it was like, oh, cool. We're spending how much? Mm. Yeah. I suppose that comes back to what we're talking about, the, like this embarrassment of failure. If, if you do test something like that, you've got to test things to know if they're going to work. And you should never be embarrassed that someone, something's failed as in, oh, we, we tried that. It didn't work. Oh, I'm such a shit coach because of that. Why didn't people want to buy from me? Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm a good coach. And it starts to get you down, doesn't it? It's like, I put out my offer, five, five clients or five busy professionals, whatever it is. And no one took me up on it. I posted it once and, and no one replied. I better not post that again. 
that it's failed. It's the it's the fear, isn't it, of of what happens if no one replies to it, or what happens if no one. Yeah. So then you're seen as a failure. But I don't know what I was saying to you before this is understanding what the emotions are that you feel. Because if you can understand the emotions, you can detract from actually what's happened. Mm. Because if you go, oh, that didn't work as well as I thought. I failed in it. But then if you think, actually, what am I feeling here? Is it that I feel embarrassed? Or is it that I feel a bit of shame with it? And then you can go, oh, cool, that's the emotion I'm feeling. It's going to pass through. It's not something that's going to be there forever. So I can take that and I can deal with it. But then it's understanding that you can look at the actual data and see, okay, why did it? Why did that not work? Why wasn't it as successful as I thought it would? There will always be answers. Absolutely. But it's a lot of the times coaches can't detract from that because they feel like they're personally involved in that. Or it's yeah. not, it's the emotion. And that could be down to maybe they've tried things in the past and it's not happened. And so then they're, they're not worried it's going to be the same again. Or maybe it's connected to something that happened like a long time ago. A fear of rejection from approaching someone and asking them for a date or something like that. And they're like, oh, yeah. no. And they, they suddenly make you feel embarrassed or whatever. And so maybe that fear of something bad happening has been stemmed from a long time ago. I don't you know. It's just getting deep. There is that, isn't it? It's the, it's, because it's the same thing you get from when people like your stuff on Facebook. Yeah. You, you, you put out a, a post in, in, or Instagram, whatever, and you go, oh, that's good. I, that's a good post, that one like. Or you get one save and no likes. Yeah. Who's, who saved that and not liked it? <laughs> and and it's, you don't get that dopamine hit, do you? So if people aren't signing up or, or aren't contacting you because of a post, like, oh, no, I was expecting a bit more than that. So you haven't got the return you expected. On, on that quickly is that whenever I've run like intakes in the past and I've had people say on the pre-registration list, they've said, oh yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to find out more information. Then they don't buy. I've always followed up all the people who didn't buy yeah. and say, oh, Steve, you were on the pre-registration list, but you didn't buy from the program. I'd like to know why. Was it not right for you? Was it too much money? What's the reason you didn't buy? Can you help me out so I can make it better for next time? And I would say probably about 80% of people did reply to that email whenever I sent it out. And it was always stuff like, oh, it's not right for me at the moment. Or actually, I was looking for this type of course. And all that stuff you can get back and go, okay, I failed that time. But if I can address all those little points, I won't fail next time. Yeah. So it's almost like handling the objections. Yeah. You can handle the objections afterwards for the next time you run it. Yeah. Yeah. But you need to be able to step out of your own way and ask for feedback because yeah. that's the only way you'll get that. It's funny you mentioned around the uh, content, social media is because I haven't had likes on my social, like I can't see likes for probably four years. I turned them off when they said you could turn them off, not knowing you couldn't turn them back on. So I haven't had them. But one of the best things around that is I don't get that anymore. I just post content and I don't fucking care. I genuinely don't care. And I'll have people message me. Someone messaged me today, a content creator, you will know him. Oh, a bit of unsolicited advice here about your reel and everything. And I was like, cool, that's fine. So the generally, don't, I don't mind, but I don't care because I'll always test stuff. And but the best thing about it is I don't get influenced by, oh, that's got, so, why has that got these many likes? I can mm. still see the likes. I have to go in and look at the actual page. But that that's one of the things that's helped from that side of it. I probably would have done that anyway and not cared about likes, but it's definitely something I've noticed. I don't see it anymore. Uh, it's just normal to me now. Um, I, I always pay more attention to the, not so much the likes, because if I posted a picture of me on stage, I'd get 200 likes, but it's, it doesn't make it. It's not going to, I'm not going to sell any coaching because of that. I always look at the, and here, here's something I found the other day. 
if you automatically share your stuff to Facebook from Instagram, you don't get certain analytics on your Instagram and you can't boost the posts. There's, you can see the time watched, average time watched, but you can't see that if your Instagram posts automatically share, your Instagram reels automatically share. You can't see that because the data is over Facebook and Instagram. So if you make your reels Instagram only, you can see things like how long people watch for, which it, for me is much more relevant to likes than yeah. I, I want to know if I've got a reel for 15 seconds, why do people stop after seven? What's happening at seven seconds? You know, is it, is the reel, is it dipping at that point in terms of it's not, it's not engaging and that, and for that information I use to then, okay, maybe I need to change that in my next one. But that, that then goes back to, again, it's a similar thing. So you asking for uh, feedback off any of the things you put out there, you're getting feedback from the software. So you're looking yeah. at that because a lot of times coaches won't look at data because they're potentially maybe worried about what they might see. And so they, rather than take that and learn from it, they will just ignore it. It's the same with data in your business. Like rather than looking, thinking about, or oh, I'd like to increase my client base or um, that revenue or income and things. Like have a look at it because then you'll know, okay, here's, and it makes it more tangible rather than just wishing it's going to happen. So yeah, it all comes back to like wanting to find out a little bit more. But I also think that like the bigger takeaway is like failure should be like, it should be acceptable like to fail. Like, I think it's seen as this like failure is not an option or failure is a bad yeah. But failure should be, if you don't do that, then you're never going to have those opportunities, like you said, to get feedback and improve it. So as soon as you can understand that, it makes things a bit easier because you're like, it doesn't matter. If it goes, it doesn't go how I feel, like fine. Also, just one more last thing I want to say on this is it's always your fault, not your fault, but it's always, the, you can't blame anyone else. Don't, so take responsibility of it, of anything that happens, because then it's a lot easier to deal with those times where it doesn't go up well. But then we, you can use that to then build off. Yeah, absolutely. Just because it's your fault doesn't mean you were at fault. It's just that you didn't do the, the thing that was needed at that point. Being at fault would be, oh, I'm, I'm going to do the same thing again and hope it works. Yeah. So that's what you should do then. So you, you understand that, okay, this didn't work for these reasons. I've asked for feedback here. What can I do to improve it going forwards and make a plan to do it again or to repeat that process? Because too many people do something once. Like you, I think you mentioned earlier, do something once and then go, oh, I can, that didn't work. I'm going to go and do this thing over here. And then that thing doesn't work. And then I'm going to do this thing. And nothing actually is taking you forward. You feel like you're doing stuff, but nothing's driving you forward. So look at why it didn't work, refine it, and then repeat that. Like so many times that that winds me up where it's just, oh, sack that off, do something else. Um, stress, man. Yeah, it's almost like if, you, if your first reel doesn't go viral, what's the point in doing any more? Yeah. what's the point what's the point in any social media <laughs> i know we got to wrap it up quite quickly today because we've both got meetings to go to i think we probably need to do a bit more on this because we covered i think one area yeah i we think did... we could do more about maybe some of the things that coaches could do to help when this comes up a little bit. i think we could cover that a bit more we touched on it but i think we can cover it more i think so because they're, they're again like you said it's the social media image, it can really shatter people's egos. And, and I know every coach has had it. I've had it in the past where I've looked at people and thought, wow, how come they're doing so well? But you don't see the, you don't see what the stuff's going on behind the scenes. So someone who is having a hundred K months, 
you could be having a 99k cost on top of that. Yeah. You don't know, do you? It's not worth worrying about what other people are doing and just think about, well, how can I improve my game? That's the reason why I don't follow a lot of people in the industry. Obviously, I follow you and a few other people, but not a lot because I don't need my feed flooded with all that what you know potential negativity. Yeah, I agree. Sweet. Cool. Right, Dan, let's, let's wrap it up because you've got to go to a meeting at 12. Let's, let's continue this on the next one. To be continued. Okay. Thanks for today, mate. We'll <laughs> see you on the next podcast. Nice.